You're listening to Fidame Catholica, the Sunday homilies of Father John Gazzaldo, pastor at St. Luke Catholic Church, Temple, Texas. Today's homily is from Sunday, July 10th, 2022, and is entitled, The Good Samaritan. This morning, I'd like to ask for your indulgence. I, I do have a bit of a, a bit of a cough. I have a little sinus infection and a little bronchitis, but I went and gotten tested, and I don't have COVID. So, that. <laughs> so this little term that I just used, I'd ask for your indulgence, it's actually a, a term that I learned from a, a professor, and this particular professor, he would show up every day for class, and I think it was a German classroom. Anyway, he'd show up every day for class, and he always had his piece of chalk, and he, he never brought anything. He was one of those guys that kind of took pride in the fact that he could walk into a classroom, pre, uh, lecture for an hour, because he had it all up in his head. But invariably, he would always forget things in his office. And he would say to us, I would ask for your indulgence. I need to go back to my office. At the time, I didn't quite know what that word meant. But I think we took it as just a kindness. And that's what the word actually means. It just, indulgene in Latin just means kindness. And it's good for us to learn these terms as Catholics. So these are the kind of terms they throw at us to beat us in the head. You know, you Catholics are passing out indulgences. Um, well, what does indulgence mean? It just means a kindness, a favor that maybe we don't deserve. I very much think what Jesus did on the cross he did us a favor. He did us a kindness. We didn't deserve it. We did it out of love. And I came to also realize that he was saying that to us because I think there was some kind of rule. If the professor left, you could leave. And he wasn't supposed to leave the classroom and just leave us in there. He didn't want us to tell the dean. He was asking us for a favor. I'm asking for your indulgence. And I say this because I think when we read about the Good Samaritan, we just think of him as, what a nice guy. What a nice guy. He's doing an act of kindness, an act of charity. He sees this poor guy who's been mugged and takes care of him. Isn't that an act of kindness? I would say, yes, but it's an act of justice. And what is an act of justice? Something we are bound to. That Samaritan saw that man left for dead and said, that's my brother. And in justice, I have to help him. Justice demands that I do do that. Humanity demands that I do. He is a brother in need. I'm not doing him any favor. It is what is demanded of us. And Jesus tells this story he actually directs it at the local clergy. And whenever Jesus tells a, a parable, there's usually somebody he's after. So what is, who are these two guys, the priest and the Levite? Well, in the Old Testament, the clergy mirrored much of what we have today. The church mirrors that. The high priest served as like a bishop. A priest was much like what we have here. And what was a Levite? Well, it was kind of like a deacon. They served at the altar. 
So yes, this story is at us, at clergy, who didn't want to get their hands dirty. Now, the priest and the Levite, they're on their way. Now, if you ever watch this cartoon, I'm revealing a little bit here. If you ever watch this on Veggie Tales? They, they cover this, the, the Good Samaritan on Veggie Tales. And the little, the little tomato says, uh, the priest and the Levite were too busy. They were too busy. Well, the priest and the Levite, they're probably on their way to liturgy. And for them, touching a dead body would defile their hands. They would be seen as unclean, unclean. We don't touch that. So they walked on by thinking they're doing a good thing. Really, humanity demands that. They didn't want to get their hands dirty. Because then we'd be involved. It would cause not just cleaning them up, as the Samaritan shows. It cost him something. Time, talent, and treasure. Put him on his horse. Cared for him. Now, I was going to save this to later, but this is a temptation for all clergy. I've seen it. I've seen it. So when I was in the seminary, every Friday, we would have work order. That means the seminarians would go out and we'd clean the seminary. We had to mop and sweep. We had to go outside and trim trees, mow the lawn, all kinds of things. And I remember one time we asked the vice rector, we said, Father, why don't you come help us? And he said, and I quote, these hands were made for chalices, not calluses. I remember that because it rhymes, I guess. But that's what he said. Where does that come from? Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Why did Jesus tell this story? He's demanding and asking all of his future priests and bishops and the ones that are there, it's time to get your hands dirty. It's time to come down with the rest of us and to ask them to Look beyond their own nations and their own cultures. That's why he includes <coughs> a Samaritan. Samaritans were considered schismatic heretics. There was not one of them. But this man was a victim. That's what he calls him. We don't know who this man is. The man who was robbed and beaten by robbers. Only, only term it uses for him is he's the victim. And the Samaritan says, that's my brother, and I have to help. Now, the scribe says to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Because I think he's looking for Jesus to narrow the scope, so it lets us off the hook. But Jesus expands the scope to limit to all humanity that all of these are our brothers and sisters, and we're asked to do just by them, not just out of indulgence as a favor, but that justice demands it. Now we know that acts of kindness and justice starts at home. We know that. That charity starts at home, and all of you are practiced in this. But we know that justice and charity sometimes look different. When you feed your children and provide them with food and water, and joy and love 
That's showing them kindness. But oftentimes you have to institute a little justice now and then. Now and then, out of justice, they're not going to be happy. I have, I know this is on tape, but here it goes, Eddie. I have a brother who wouldn't clean up his room. And my father put on his door, you either clean this room or we won't feed you. And my brother came to the dinner table, and then the wall came down. No, leave. Now, if that was 2022, probably would have put on Facebook or something. Probably would have, CPS would have shown up at the door. But that's an act of justice. But we're challenged today to look at the broader world and the broader church and to do right by them and see the victims around us, people who've been victimized by our culture, by the cultures, by media, and even sometimes by our institutions. We know that clergy have walked by while people have been hurt. We know that. We know that. But also our institutions that we've been a part of have done this. I was part of a I was involved with a couple of Catholic schools, and I was part of a Catholic school that was built in a wealthy neighborhood decades ago, like in the 40s or something. But as the years went by, it turned into a poor neighborhood, mostly Hispanic. But that school was still seen as an elite college prep school that we only let in certain kids. But we realized that we were surrounded by Catholic kids. We had 300 in our CCE program that could have been coming to our Catholic school. So we try to make it, these kids across the street, literally our neighbor, was to be serving them to come to our Catholic school, to give them a Catholic education. But there was always this worry that the level of academics would come down. And I remember absolutely said in a meeting that I was at, one of the school board members going, we don't want this school to look like a public school to look like the public school. And then the question went back to her, what do you mean by that? Well, she, then she said again, well, I, don't, I know this sounds racist, and I said, yeah, it does, because those are our actual neighbors, and they are being assaulted by much secular public school system. I know, I taught in it. And how they have their own gods these are our neighbors, and justice demands that we help them. You know, this is the, the reason for the whole abortion issue, to recognize the unborn as they are our brothers and sisters, and they are the weakest among us. I remember what Jesus said, what you do to the least of mine, you do for me. Wow. That Jesus identifies with the weakest among us, those who are victims of assault or potential on the schedule, they depend on us to recognize them and protect them, not out of some kind of indulgence or favorite act of kindness, out of justice, out of justice. Now, many people in this room are over 50. Come on, you know you're here. You know you're here. I would argue to you that many of our young people are under assault. In fact, I know, I know for a fact that they are. They're victims of pornography. They have been victimized and beat up by it. 
our young girls too. The young girl comes home, she's 13 years old. She's been assaulted by TikTok. The next thing she knows, she thinks she's a boy. How did that happen? Well, she's been assaulted by the media. And sometimes we just let it happen. And we send our kids off to universities hoping they'll become more holy and they come back to us more confused than ever and you're out a couple hundred thousand dollars as it is. I met a young lady who went off to college. Now she's in a couple hundred thousand dollars debt, got a degree in gender studies and she doesn't know what a woman or a man is and lost her faith because she was assaulted. She was mugged spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, intellectually mugged. And now she's awashed with wokeism. What, what should we do? Well, we have to care for them. We have to nurse them back to health and sense. Come back to the church and prayer. And let them know that Jesus died for them with his very body. He got dirty, sweaty, bloody. I think I used this <coughs> image with you last time about someone who was compared to being a worm and didn't appreciate it. And they said, no, you get into the muck and the mud with people into their messy lives and, and people admired them for it. This is what the church asks us to do as clergy and we can always do a better job. But we know that we have chances now and then to recognize, to do random acts of kindness and to get our hands dirty to, out of compassion and mercy. But I think there's all kinds of chances to recognize, wow, these are our brothers and sisters and we must act justly towards them. And I don't know, you may even have a chance to do that when you walk out of here. This morning there were some uh, gypsies out there with their signs and their children asking for money. We'll do what the the good Samaritan did. Say, hey, can we bandage you up? Can we take you to the inn? What do you need? The good Samaritan never gave the victim a cent. He cared for him, met his needs, whatever they were. But when you walk out here, when you walk out on this intersection back here, they want cash. And you give them cash, that's unjust. It is unjust. Because you're just feeding the problem. You're enabling the problem. To love someone is to do what is best for them. So we're challenged today to look be on the lookout for opportunities for acts of kindness and mercy, but especially for justice, to look at the Good Samaritan and model him and hear Jesus' voice ringing in our ears. Now go and do likewise. You've been listening to Fidem Catholica, the Sunday homilies of Father John Gazaldo, pastor at St. Luke Catholic Church, Temple, Texas. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in whichever podcast player you're listening to, and you can be notified whenever new episodes drop.